Alright guys, you know on all my podcasts I like to do these top 10 lists. I like to bring guys in. I like to bring different people in and get their their opinions. It's always fun to, to hear different opinions. Tonight on On The Fly, I've got a special guest with us. First time that he's been on the show. I've got uh, one of my old friends from back at Northeast Academy. i got Mr. Steve here with us. We're going to be doing our, our that's the key word, our top 10 albums of all time and uh you know steve's steve's pretty smart on this uh this stuff uh he, he made i'm i'll be real interested to see what his list is and how it compares to mine uh let's go ahead and welcome to the show steve hill how you doing buddy hey steve i'm good man thanks for having me on yeah yeah man i've been wanting to get you on for a while we've been talking for a while and uh this will be the first hopefully of many many times we bring steve on i, I want to have steve on regularly to talk about some entertainment stuff and get him on for some sports stuff too you know we uh i don't know if you heard a couple well it's been a few weeks ago. i know you're a big redskins fan uh yeah unfortunately. yeah well we, you know we had a i had a uh on my final score we had your your old buddies your old basketball teammates liam bryant and billy parker on it with us talking about the state of the redskins i don't know if you got to hear that or not but it was pretty interesting <laughs> to hear hear them uh i bet Hear them talk about how they would fix the Redskins. To burn it down and just start over is pretty much what it comes down to. All right, well, that's it. Sports is one thing, but you know, one one of the other things I really enjoy and I probably know a lot of useless information about is music. I've been a big time music guy since I was old enough to to listen, and uh, and I know you probably have too. Uh, music is a big part of your life, just like mine. You. You know, you hear it every day. I can't imagine a day where I don't hear some kind of music. But uh, what we're going to do tonight is the top ten albums of all time. Like I'm, I want to make it clear, this is me and Steve's list. You know, you don't you don't have to agree with it. If you don't agree with it, let us know. Give us your list. We'll compare, and we'll we'll probably won't agree with yours either. But uh, it's just fun to get it get somebody else up here and and talk about it. Now I don't know about you, Steve, but I went through. I just made I made a list, like a long list, and I just narrowed it down, and how hard it was to narrow it down, and I'll talk about some of the ones that didn't make my list after we get through the list, and we'll, I don't know if you've got some that were right on the outside getting in as well. Yeah, you know, I, I like you, Stevie, I'm a, I'm a lover of music, pretty much all genres out there, and, and to narrow it down to, to 10 albums, you know. I'm sure we might have at least one that that uh, would match up, but uh, let's get it started right now, and I'll let you go first. What's what's your number ten album of all time? All right, well, well number ten for me is uh, the Wall by Pink Floyd. Um, you know, great album. Um, it's one of those rare albums that was released and was their most commercially successful, but it came kind of at the end of their career, which. You know, usually these big artists like the Stones or the Beatles, you know, they're more successful during the, the first period of their career or, you know, in the middle. But, you know, this was kind of these guys' swan thing. You know, um, one of my favorite guitar solos ever is Comfortably Numb. You know, David Gilmore on the guitar is just amazing. 
Um, and, you know, everybody probably, if you haven't seen the movie, you've heard of it. So, um, yeah, you know, Pink Floyd's got a lot to choose from, but for me, number two. Yeah, never. I never got into Pink Floyd like a lot of people did. I, I don't know what it was, but you know, the Wall was definitely an iconic album. Uh, I did not realize that was at the end of their career. Wow, I, I didn't realize that at all. Um, yeah, I think they were in their mid late thirties. Wow, wow. So that that's pretty awesome there. But you know, I do like you know another brick in the wall. That that was always one I heard. Uh, and what is the one, what what struck me about Pink Floyd was they always had this, it was like, I mean, you could, they had a distinct, that's what I really look for when I listen to somebody. They had that distinct right. sound where you can, re- when you hear it, you know, well, that's Pink Floyd or that's so-and-so, that's so-and-so. But yeah, Pink Floyd always had that distinct sound where you knew it was them. Uh, and then Yeah, they had some of that psychedelic element going in. Right. Too, and, earlier stuff, I wouldn't, like, you're not a big fan, but uh, this one, this one I'm, I really enjoyed. What was the song where they had the, I think at the end of it, they had the uh, the phone ringing and somebody answering the phone at the end. It was it was just spoken word at the end. I can't remember what that was. Was it money? It, yeah, that was it. that was it. That was yeah. it. That was it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was on Dark Side of the Moon. I think. Okay, Dark Side I'm of the Moon. A, yeah, I think so, which is probably their, their most popular album. But, right. Uh, you know. Okay. Okay. Like I said, I had to pick one, so this is the one I went with. All right, well, I'm going to give you my number 10. And my number 10, and you're going to, you know, guys, I grew up really, really getting into music in, in the uh, mid-'80s and onward after that. But I was really one of the groups that that really was in their prime in the, in the early-'80s was Van Halen. And, uh, oh, yeah. You know, 1984 was the album that when they really – Really came out, really got popular then. But for me, I, I picked a different album over uh, 1984. Uh, I picked their debut album, the self-titled Van Halen album. I mean, oh, yeah. you know, you got songs up there. You got, I mean, of course, the the instrumental Eddie Van Halen, probably one of the greatest guitar players of all time. Eruption. No doubt. Uh, you got Running with the Devil. You really got me. Ain't talking about love. Jamie's crying. Uh, among others, and, and you know David Lee Roth, and they were these guys. When you hear this album, when you hear 1984, it's still great. But you got to realize, then they were—I won't say they were going through the motions, but they were about at the end of their time with David Lee Roth. But these guys, when they came out with this self-titled album, they were hungry. You could tell this was like—I remember hearing this for the first time, and this was after 1984, and I was like, "Wow, how did this album not?" really put them in the line like like 1984 did because it, it just it sounds different and uh as great as 1984 is i think this self-title would in my opinion was better of course uh the, you know the the rest is history as far as 19 after 1984 you turn into van hagar which you know i didn't mind van hagar but Actually, Van Hagar was around longer than, than David Lee Roth until he came back, I guess. Yep. Uh, but it looks That's like right. we it looks like we may be seeing the end of it. Of course, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of stories out about Eddie Van Halen battling uh, a sickness. I won't say because you never know what it is. I know he's came out and said he's sure. he's doing. I think it's throat cancer. He's getting treatment for. But uh, you know, we may have seen the last of Van Halen. Hopefully not, but. 
uh, Eddie Van Halen, what can you say about one of the greatest guitar players of all time? And and this was just, for me, this was just the best Van Halen like that was their self-titled album. You know, and I got to agree with you on that, Stevie. That was actually number 11. I flipped out between that and the wall. And, uh, you know, talking about 1984, love that album as well. I think one of the reasons that was probably more popular was, you know, we were right in the middle of the MTV era. Oh, yeah. The Pop the Teacher video and the jump. I mean, but you talk about pure rock and roll, just guitar hero. It, I mean, you can't beat the first one. Yeah, you really and can't. Uh, and you know you mentioned MTV, and I and I have a hard time with the MTV in the last what fifteen twenty years, calling themselves yeah. music music television and not playing any music. And that that's one I'll have to bring you back on for because uh, I'm just going to ask this question out there for all these people: How does MTV still have the VMAs when they don't show music videos anymore? Uh, that's you got me and. and- and Stevie, I think about five years ago, they actually changed their name. They're just MTV. They took music video out of music <laughs> television completely out of their, well, out of they, their title. So. They definitely needed to, needed to do that because it's, it's not a bit of music up there anymore. And that's, that's what, you know, and I could go on and on about this, but I'll just leave it here. It's kind of like somebody going, like you, you look at sports like NASCAR, going away from your roots, what got you? What got you there? MTV, what got people watching MTV was, MTV was the fact that they could watch music videos. And, and it actually, like you said, it made a lot of these bands' careers even that much better yeah. to have an outlet like that. Because if, if me or you back then, we didn't have, we didn't have the iTunes or we didn't, couldn't go online yeah. and, and, and just stream everything. If we saw something on on MTV, we had to go out and buy it at a record store. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yep. I, I mean, know. I can remember coming home from school, and, and the first thing I did was pack down either VH1 or MTV, and, you know, they always had the 10 countdown. I forget yeah. what it's called, but that was a part of my daily routine. Yeah, dial MTV. You remember when they had the one you could call oh, in yeah. and vote for? Uh, Absolutely. So, so, yeah, you know, I, I don't know why some, somebody hadn't come along and tried to do that. I'm sure there's a good reason. Maybe we could get somebody from MTV to come on and explain it to us, but I would love to hear that. Uh, let's go to your number nine. Number nine for me, Stevie, is one that, that probably a lot of people have higher, and, and you know, I'm glad maybe I see that too, but number nine for me is Black and Black by ACDC. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, you talk, about, you talk about an album that, could have been boom with bust. I mean, it was the first one after Brian Scott's death. Uh, the band had thought about breaking up and, and you know, right on the verge of it. And then they go and find a singer who uh, not only uh, exemplified what the band stood for, but wasn't a copycat of Brian Scott. It kind of sounded like him just a little bit, but was there anything where, you know, the fan you're going, oh my God, this guy's trying to sound like Brian Scott. And it was the first album of theirs, in my opinion, that had you had that hard sound that I like that hit that, you know, right on the verge of heavy metal, but had that. It would have had some radio friendly, um, yeah. you know, hits on it. And, uh, you know, what a tribute to, to their bandmate, Bob Stanley. I think they're at the year two years before. Um, just a great album, in my opinion. Yeah, Back in Black uh, was the first, that was the first ACDC album I was introduced to. Uh, you know, of course, you hear... Uh, Hills Bells, that's, you hear that about at every football game when it's third down, you hear the bells start from that. But Hills Bells, Back in Black, uh, you shook me all night long, it's probably the, the most radio friendly one that, that's the one that was on MTV, they had the video for, 
uh, that will show them oh, yeah. more than anything. But, yeah, uh, you know, and just like you said, coming off the death of their lead singer, Bon Scott, uh, and you, get, you you're talking about breaking up, and then you find this guy, Brian Johnson, and, you know, the rest is history. They 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 kept right on going and had some great albums after that. But to me, Absolutely. to me, nothing nothing will top Back in Black. Uh, you know, even the Bon Scott stuff. And you like I said, I had to go back and listen to a lot of Bon Scott stuff. And they were great, but Back in Black was definitely the iconic ACDC album. When anybody mentions ACDC, Back in Black always comes up first, I think. Uh, Absolutely, and, and it's still really and you can and you know, came out if you've never heard it before. Yeah, and you know, it's a lot of these, and I will say this, you know, I, I'm around a lot of these, uh, a lot of these teenagers now, at times coaching and stuff, and and I and a lot of these guys and girls go retro. I was surprised. My daughter listens to a lot of the stuff that I listened to in the '80s, and I was surprised that. You know, some of these guys love ACDC, like the Back in Black stuff. But uh, uh, it, That's it's, awesome. Yeah, it's pretty awesome there. So let's go to my number nine. And my number nine, a lot of people, when I bring up this band, I, I would just get this straight. I, I did not hate grunge, but I wasn't a big fan of grunge when it came along because I was such a big, big into the, I guess you call it the hair metal, uh, the, the late sure. 80s rock. Uh, and and that pretty much grunge pretty much killed it. But this group was the I guess what you call the pioneer of grunge. They were the ones that started it all, Nirvana. And I'm not gonna and it's not people are gonna be surprised. It's not Nevermind that I'm putting up here. Actually, the one I want to put up here. No, no, I want to put okay. the unplugged one. Because oh, the first time I heard, you know, and, I, and this turned me. I like Smells Like Teen Spirit. I like the songs that came out, you know, like everybody else did. But when I first sat down and listened to the Unplugged CD, I forgot. Somebody I knew had it, and and they were playing it one night. And, you know, I think the one that really hit me was when he did the David Bowie song, The Man Who Sold the World. That was what really hit me. And then, then to hear, you know, of course, Smells Like Teen Spirit is not going to go acoustic too well. But, uh... All Apologies was great, um, and let's see who was, Come As You Are was up here, uh, just great, and I mean, I listened to it, after I got it, I actually listened to it start to finish without even stopping, and I was like, you know what, this is pretty great, I mean, these guys did a great job on it, and I don't think it gets enough enough, uh, enough publicity, you know, Nevermind was great, and even uh, In Utero was great. But this one was my favorite Nirvana album of all time. Just the Unplugged. Something about that atmosphere, I really liked uh, the Unplugged uh, CD with Nirvana. It, it, it's a great one. And, you know, you talk about the Unplugged. There's so many you know, that you can choose from. Um, but, you know, just breaking it down to its purest form in an acoustic setting, you kind of get, get a feeling of, from a songwriter's perspective, when you hear something acoustic. And, you know, I love that that heavy guitar just as much as, you know, any metal fan or any hard rock fan, but, um, gosh, what an appreciation when you can play something acoustically and yeah. get a different feeling for the same sound that you've heard, you know, a different way for your life. Yeah. And, and, and it was really stepping outside the box for them because, you know, for them to go acoustic, because uh, they were bit, you know, that, that guitar and everything, they were hard, but for them to go acoustic like that was stepping outside the box, and I, and I was really impressed oh, with it. I was really impressed. Yeah, that's with one thing I would never, I would never, 
see them doing anything acoustic, even practicing. I couldn't imagine yeah. doing it that way. And so. I mean, it's it's been certified five times platinum, won a Grammy Award for best alternative music album, and uh, you know, just just a great album. And it was released. People don't realize too. A lot of the, I guess, a lot of the uh, people bought it, it. This was released after Kurt Cobain's death, so. Uh, yeah, a lot of people probably bought it for that, but still, what a great album. All right, what, Absolutely. What you got for number eight? Well, number eight um, is, is, a, uh, is a, a group that, that I really like, and um, I've always enjoyed them as the Eagles. And, you know, it's uh, right on my list, Stevie, not to put any um, greatest hits up here, just because to me, that's in my opinion, again, my opinion, it's not right. a good album. It's, it's greatest hits. So, you know, I didn't go with, you know, their greatest hits volume one or volume two. I went with the original Hotel California. Oh, yeah. Um, it's their first album with Joe Walsh, um, which gave them a harder, kind of edgier sound. Um, and gosh, I mean, Hotel California, if you've never heard that song, you've been under a rock something, for the last Something's wrong years. with you. Something is definitely wrong with you. Yeah, um, and you know, just one of the, the most underrated guitar players that, you know, that I can think of, Don Felder, who wrote yes. the song. Um, and you talk about Don Henley, and Glenn Fry and, and Joe Walsh and Stater. I mean, all songwriters, all great musicians in their own right, all on one team, so to speak. Um, you know, it's an album, in my opinion, that didn't have a ton of, you know, front one that I'm going to listen to front to back, but the three or four songs up there, Hotel California, Life in the Fast Lane. Gosh, I mean, just what a great album. And, uh, you know, got some harder, edgier stuff up there, but, you know, something you can you can listen with your mom. It's good songwriting at its best. So, um, Hotel California came at number eight for me. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll you'll hear my, you'll hear that from me later on on my list, a little higher on my list. But uh, yeah, the the older I got, you know, I remember the Eagles back when I was younger. Uh, I think my dad actually the Long Run album. I think he had that, but never really got into them until I got a little older. I think about the time when they did the Hell Freezes Over. Uh, tour the whole album another great album yeah yeah that was and another unplugged album too uh but after that i really started getting into the eagles in hotel california i can remember listening to that start to finish so many times and and just like you know wow what a great album it was and i mean the opening riff to the guitar the dual guitars on hotel california is so iconic uh and and to listen to to Don Felder and 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 Walsh talk about how they came up with it, uh, especially Don Felder. I don't know if you've read if you've read Don Felder's book or not, but that's I've, I've read excerpts of it. But uh, yeah, I've read a little bit of it. That's, that's one of my favorites. That's a that's a pre, if he's one of your favorites, that's a pretty good read there. I've read that and uh, to hear some of the stories back then and oh gosh about how Hotel California came about. There's always been this this story that this was a concept album and it was talking about cults uh which they denied but you know it kind of sounds like it to me that it's just talking about a cult if you listen to it from start to finish and all the songs but uh hotel california you know you got the iconic album cover uh you got some great songs like you said new kid in town life in the fast lane uh but i'm like you I, i mean to me one through ten, I could listen to it over and over and over again. There's not a bad song on this album. Of course, they did the little reprise of Wasted Time, but 
to me, right. and, and the songwriting, oh gosh, you know, they, they had a long-term relationship with a guy named J.D. Southern uh, that, that oh, did yeah. a lot, did a lot, you know, New Kid in Town, he worked on that, he worked on Victim of Love, but they, they had a really great working relationship with him, and he, he was like, I guess you would call it Six Eagle is what they said, but... Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, Hotel California is great. Like I said, that'll be a little bit higher up on my list. We'll talk about that a little more when we get to it. And Stevie, this this might have been in the book, you know, and I'm definitely going to take your advice and read it, but um, just for everyone out there that may not know this, Don Felder actually taught Tom Petty how to play the guitar. Did you know that? I, he did. He did have it in the book. Yes, that is in the yeah, book. He was. I think before he joined the Eagles, he was in a small band in Florida, and he was teaching guitar lessons on the side at a, at a guitar right. shop. And Tom Petty walked in, and, you know, the rest is history, as they say. Yeah, I think he did a pretty good job of teaching him as well. You know, Tom Petty, I think he did a, pretty well. What, yeah. what a legend that was. What a teacher. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, number, number eight for me, and this is another one. That the older I get, the more I appreciate this group, and and this album is probably their, you know, their best album that they put out. I'm talking about, talking about the Beach Boys. I'm talking about Pet Sounds. Uh, oh, great album! Yeah, I, I mean, you look at some of the, the wouldn't it be nice? Uh, Sloop John B. God only knows. Caroline no. I mean, it just wasn't made for these times. Brian Wilson is one of the the best songwriters in the history of music i mean and it's a shame he's a mad scientist yeah yeah and he he's puts together i don't know if you watched the documentary they had about uh putting together pet sounds but to see some of the backs in the recording studio what he was working with and listening to him uh talk about well i want this here uh, even if it was like a little uh, nothing more than how a guy hit, how hard a guy hit the drum on this. He was telling me, he said, sure. don't hit it so hard on this, just hit it like this, and how it made such a difference. But, you know, Pet Sounds, the more I listen to it, the more I love it. Uh, and, I mean, I, because my, my, my dad was a big Beach Boys fan back in the day, and he had all the albums. And I don't remember really listening to this one as much as we did some of the others, uh, some of the, sure. the, the live ones and uh uh, you know, I can't remember the names of all of them, but this one, I think, I think what really got me to start listening to it was when Forrest Gump, it, Sloop John B was on the Forrest Gump soundtrack, and that got okay. me into that song, and then I just started looking up, you know, going back and looking at the Beach Boy stuff, and then uh, God Only Knows, it, it, but to listen to this album, this is the Beach Boys' greatest, greatest album by far to me, uh, and it kind of went away from from their traditional sound, they were the surfer rock group. This kind of oh, went, completely. yeah. This went kind of went away from out because the early stuff, it was talking about surfing, it was talking about the cars. This went away it was from popper music. Yeah, yeah. This was this was totally went away from that, and I, you know, I really enjoy the more. Like I said, the older I get, maybe it's just uh, with old age you start listen to stuff like this, but uh, the older I get, the more I appreciate the Beach Boys and stuff like this, and this Pet Sounds is, is comes in at number eight for me. Well, I couldn't agree more with you on that one, Steve. You know, you talked about, you know, I said teeny popper, but I didn't mean that in a negative way. Oh, yeah, I know what you I meant. What, what happened with Pet Sounds is their initial audience grew up, and they grew up with them, and yep. the, the sound changed, and, and you know, you, you can't be, you know, 45-year-old Backstreet Boys. It's just, I mean, that's just not how it's going to happen, so... They matured along with their audience, and, and 
I mean, look at the sales on it. I mean, it speaks for itself. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, and and like you said, Brian Wilson, the the mad scientist of music, he was he, he just did a great job putting this together. And uh, wow, what can you say about Pet Sounds? All right, who do you got at number seven? Number seven, um, it, this group is one of my all-time favorites, and it was it was hard to narrow down to what I think their best album is, but. I gotta go with Link Zeppelin Four, the Zoso album. Right. Um, I mean, Stairway to Heaven. Gosh, what do you say? I mean, that's, that's almost <laughs> easy picking. But you talk about a, a heavy sound. Um, that's also something you can sing along with. Um, you know, it's not something where you know you're banging your head and you got to be in a certain mood to listen to it. Um, you know, a lot of people are going to talk about Robert Plant, such a great vocalist, and, yeah. and Jimmy Page. I mean, guitar legend, but. Gosh, for me, John Bonham on the drums. I mean, they, to me, they're, he's run through five, the top five drums. I mean, there's nobody even close to him, in my opinion. Um, and, you know, it's one of those albums that is going to be here long after I'm gone, and people are going to always pinpoint to it. And you can pick a number of those, but, um, you know, gosh, what, what a, they just have a different sound. You know, they, they, yeah. they went from a time where, you know, you went from the, the uh, you know, the Beach Boys and the Buddy Hollies and those guys, and then you had the Stones, and then, you know, it wasn't quite heavy metal, but it was harder rock than, you, than you've heard before. And, you know, you put that, that record on, and you go, oh, my gosh, who is this? What is this? i got to have more of it. And, yeah. um, you know, for me, I, I, that, that's the best album they've got, which is saying a lot for me. Yeah, uh Zeppelin Four was probably the, the Zeppelin album I listened to the most. Uh you know, of course, like you said, you go from Stairway to Heaven, then you got just a rocking song like Rock and Roll. And then one of my favorite Zeppelin songs is on here, Misty Mountain Hop. Uh, oh, yes. yeah. you know, and, but like you said, this whole, this Led Zeppelin 4, uh, everybody wants, wanted it because of Stairway to Heaven, which was an eight minute song. Yes, yeah, they used to do long songs back then. But, sure. uh, I think I'm I'm with you. As at all of these, there's a lot of great Zeppelin albums, but this one I could really get into. Uh, like you said, Robert Plant, you can't say enough about his lyrics. And then uh, Jimmy Page, he influenced so many guitar players that came along after him. Uh, and then John Bonham, of course. After John Bonham's death, they 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 split up, and you know they got back together for a little while later on, but. It, it was never the same, but, uh, you know, Led Zeppelin IV is probably the the best. I would say, I have to agree with you, Led Zeppelin IV was the greatest album they had, in my opinion. That made- it says a lot when, when you split up, you know, and this is no offense to drummers out there, because I can't play an instrument to save my life. I wish I could, but, you know, you lead singers is dead guys or dead girl, and so, you know, if the lead singer leaves or passes away or whatever, the band is just going to be different. It just is. But when yeah. you talk about a drummer of John Bonham's caliber, it, I mean, he he was the sound. I mean, he he did more than just keep time back there. I mean, you're talking yeah. about a, a true musician. Well, you uh, if anybody wants to 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 find out about that, t- tell them to listen to Moby Dick. Uh, oh, gosh. Yeah, the guy can play, <laughs> can flat out play the drums, and it, like you said, he was more than just a timekeeper, no doubt. And yeah. I think the closest thing they had. To putting a John Bonham back there was was his son Jason. I, mean, I know that was one, who they put back there when they got back together. And and of course Jason has played with he's had his own band. I think he's I'm, if I'm not mistaken he's playing right now with Foreigner. He's with Sammy Hagar. 
He just yeah, came he, he, he was with he was yeah. One, one time he was with Foreigner, so uh, you know, Jason Bonham definitely definitely followed in his, his dad's footsteps. Uh, but Great drum in his own right. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. All right, my number seven. This is going to be one I think that uh, that you can. Go and maybe it may be on your list, but it may not be. As uh, I remember, the first time I heard this album, first time I heard this group, and Steve will appreciate this. On a ba- on a trip to a baseball game and playing for Northeast Academy, when we had an activity bus, I remember a guy that was a few years older than me, Harris Hollingsworth, put this tape in a cassette tape. Yeah. And uh, I, I remember just hearing it for the first time. I was like, wow, this is pretty awesome. I'm talking about Guns N' Roses' Appetite for Destruction. Uh, Great album. Yeah. Just from start to finish, there's not a bad song on here. And, you know, I kind of struggle with this about putting this up here or putting uh, Usual Illusion 1 or 2. Uh, that That's two more great albums there. But, you know, when you hear Welcome to the Jungle, when that started, that was the first song I heard. And you hear that that opening riff, and you're like, it catches your, and then you hear Axl Rose start singing, and you're like, wow, this is different. Nothing like it. Yeah, Nothing I, like I it. mean, because yep. you were going through the whole hair band stuff, but this was more like a a they 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 had like an ACDC sound to them, but even even better. And I mean, then you hear Welcome to the Jungle. It starts out with that. Uh, Paradise City, Mr. Brownstone, and then of course Sweet Child of Mine was was a big hit oh, for yes. them. Uh, but you know, Guns N' Roses when they came along about that, they were they were, had a different look than than the glam guys did. Which and I don't know if this was the precursor to grunge when this came out, because, but it was a whole lot different than anything we had heard with uh, you know with the Poisons, with the uh, uh, Motley Crue uh, stuff like right. that, but. Yeah, oh yeah, it was a definite welcome change, and uh, just just to see them, see the different look they had, it was it was great. Uh, I, I remember, I was automatically a Guns N' Roses fan then, uh, especially, I think my favorite off that album, it's got to be Sweet Child of Mine, but uh, so many good songs on that album. Paradise City was great, you know, start to finish, it's a great album. Oh, absolutely, and, and you know, I'll talk about, you know, a couple extra things, a little bit. I've got them a little bit higher on my list, but I mean, you know, I've heard this term, and, and I don't necessarily agree with it, but I see what they're saying. It, it almost brings legitimacy back to hard rock because, yeah, you know, I I, I got to tell you, Steve, I'm, I'm a fan of the, the heavy metal, and I'm not unapologetic about it. I like the Motley Crue and those guys, and, but I can appreciate them for what they were. It was a show instead of just, you know, not that it wasn't quality music, but but it was a whole package where you talk about Guns and Roses, it's like, you know, five guys that you find down the street that all are capable yeah, of yeah. musicians, whether they knew it or not at the time, and, and they just they just didn't give a care. They didn't care whatever they thought about how they looked. They just wanted to go out and kick blood on the stage, and they did it every night. Yeah, that's one thing you can say about Axel. He doesn't care what anybody else thinks. He doesn't, <laughs> he's never, never cared. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, but they're still... They're still going, uh, you know, of course they had the reunion tour, uh, with, you know, but they didn't have Izzy or, or Steven Adler, either the original group, but, uh, still nice to see Slash, Duff, and Axel back together. And possibly, possibly I'm hearing maybe some new music coming out soon. Uh, I hope so. I'll be interested to hear that because, uh, 
you know, the the wait for Chinese democracy was way too long. And it, as good as it was, it was it was a good album. It wasn't a great album, but uh, I'd like to hear some with with some of the original guys again. Again, all right, Steve. What's your number six? So my number six is uh, a group we've already talked about, but a different album, and that's uh, Nevermind on the Moon. Um, and I'm going to tell you, I wasn't the biggest fan of this album the first time I heard it. Um, not a fan of, I wasn't a fan of Kurt Cobain's voice or, or you know, even the way he played guitar. But over time, as I listened to it and maybe as I got older and could appreciate it, um, you know, I took it for what it was. It was completely raw. Um, it was a complete 180 from anything we've seen in music. And, you know, it, you mentioned earlier, kind of killed the hairband, so to speak, and and yeah, it was an angry sound, almost like a resurrection of punk. I yeah, mean, it was just that angry, you know, against the man sound, and and you know, they came with as a punk and a sound garden and stone temple pilots. Um, but uh, yeah, it, I mean, completely changed the way everyone in, in rock and roll, you know, went about how they made their music. So, never mind for me is number six, and it's probably more. Of a of an influential and important place in history versus one of my favorites, but um, I think it deserves to be on the list for me anyway. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and th- you're right. It, if it's if it's on the list for anything more than being a place in history, because it did it did start the whole grunge scene. Uh, not not taking away that it wasn't a great album because it was a great album, uh, but it, it it started grunge. It it influenced. Uh, Soundgarden, like you said, Soundgarden, Stone Temple Pilots, uh, Alice in Chains, among others. Uh, but Smells Like Teen Spirit, when you heard that first opening riff, you were like, what is this sound? And then, uh, yeah. you know, you kind of like, well, you know, maybe this won't, you know, you're thinking this might be a one-hit wonder, but no. Uh, you know, Come As You Are, Lithium, uh, you know, it, it just goes on and on. And, it, and, and it's just a shame, though, that Cobain's life, Ended the way it did, because uh, I think there was a whole lot, a whole lot more great music that could have came out of him. Uh, but you know, it, it ended, ended that way. But never mind. Had one of those those iconic album covers too. The little kid in the pool, the naked kid in the pool, uh, with the do- trying right. to get the dollar bill off the off the fish hook. And uh, I think it was a it was actually a picture up there of the kid, what he looked like now. A couple of you know, a few months ago, I saw it. But yeah, Nevermind was uh, number one on the Billboard 200. Smells Like Teen Spirit was a great single. Come as you are, Lithium and In Bloom, uh, and that was still that that also benefited from MTV too. MTV was still Absolutely. showing videos then, and uh, you know, if I'm a you know if I'm a music group, I'm asking somebody if not MTV, somebody. To come back out and start playing music videos again because it's such a great album, no uh, and you know social media. I'm sure, sure they do that then, but uh, you know, it just isn't the same. I would, I would love. It's, I, it's I, a different time, man. Yeah, yeah. I'm an old school guy. I, I, I miss the, I miss the, the going to the, to the record store, uh, the Camelot music like we had at Run Rapids Mall. I miss. Oh, yes. I miss buying the the Circus magazine or the Metal Edge or the Hip Parader magazine. Hip Parader, yep. Yeah, and and you know I, I'm an old school guy. I just miss that kind of stuff. 
but, you know, Stevie, you never know. I mean, he was like 10 years ago that you could in the store and find a CD anywhere, but now you can do a records again. Well, actually, I, you know, I, I posted this not too long ago that, uh, what did they, that said vinyl was going to outsell CDs for the first time since 1986. Yeah. I believe it. And, you know, and I went to it. I went to it, one of your uh, former places of business where you worked at Barnes & Noble yesterday in Greenville, and you see a whole vinyl record set up there. And then, yeah, and, and then walk over to the magazine rack, and there was a, there was a magazine called Rock Candy uh, that was dealing with nothing but like 80s rock. And I looked at it for a minute, and I looked at the price of it, and I was like, "Wow, you know, I don't remember Hip Parade being this fourteen ninety nine for that." For that, yeah, yeah I, I'll stick. I, yeah, it was two or three dollars back then. I'll stick with uh, finding out online. Other than that, no offense. It was, it was a very well put together magazine. A lot of glossy pictures, which probably probably uh, makes it fourteen ninety nine because of the pictures, the glossy pictures and stuff like that. But you know. I can find all I need to online not pay $14.99. All right. My, <laughs> my number six is, uh, I remember being scared of this guy when I was little, when I was small. And just because of the crazy stories you heard about him, you know, biting biting the head off a bat or a dove and a dove and, uh, you know, just the crazy stories you heard about him, and seeing seeing some of the album covers, I would, it, I think it changed for me. I want to say it was '86 when, gosh, what was the name of the album that came out? Uh, the Ultimate Sin. Ozzy, I'm talking about Ozzy Osbourne, and I got the album I've got up here. I could choose from a lot of them, but I'm going with his debut solo album, I'm talking about Blizzard of Oz, the one that put him on the map as a solo artist, coming off being. Being fired from Black Sabbath, uh, being down and out, and having his wife Sharon get him back up and and get him a record deal, and uh, but yeah, I mean, it, and also another great guitar player on this album, uh, the the late great Randy Rhodes, who died in a tragic plane crash, uh, but you know, and I knew about Crazy Train going in to listen to this. But to listen to some of it, and you know, you always heard about Suicide Solution just because of the, the, I think it was a, a kid that had killed himself, and they were suing Ozzy Osbourne saying there were subliminal messages in Suicide Solution telling him to kill himself. Uh, but, you know, Mr. Crawley, Steal Away Tonight, uh, there was, from start to finish, I've listened to this album from start to finish so many times, and, you know, it never gets old. Uh, but Ozzy... To come back off being fired by Black Sabbath and to have this kind of, you know, kind of, I think they outsold the next Black Sabbath album that came out without him, and and that was big for him. But uh, Ozzy just was on for this album. And, you know, I wanted to, another great album that I was kind of, kind of toying with, you know, just struggling with putting that on the list, too. Uh, instead of this one was no more tears, uh, and that was later in it. Uh, uh, yeah, yes. with with uh, gosh, there's, there's so many good songs on there. Uh, Mama, I'm coming home. No more tears. Uh, several great songs on there, and that was it was kind of back and forth. But I went with this uh, because it was his solo album, and it put him on. It was his debut solo album, and it put him on the map. Oh, absolutely. And you mentioned it earlier. You know, not take away from Ozzy because he's one of those guys that you know it, it doesn't matter 
what is on the radio. I mean, you, you hear that voice, you know who it is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And not a fan. That, that speaks a lot to him. But, you know, Randy Williams is, gosh, I mean, I think he's been at it 25, 26 years old. Yeah. But, I mean, a, literally a classically trained guitar player. Oh, uh, yeah. Who, who had his own school. I mean, you think about a 23-year-old, 20, 25-year-old kid that taught lessons. I mean, you're taking lessons at that age, not teaching them. And, yeah. Um, you know, that combination of Ozzy and Randy Williams, um, you, know, you know, you mentioned earlier with another band, Knows what they could have done together had they had they continued on, and you know one of the original members of Quiet Riot, Mr. Randy Williams, right. great guitar player. That's right. Uh, a lot of people don't know that he was one of the original members of Quiet Riot, but yeah. you know this, like you said, this guy was classically trained, and Ozzy Ozzy has said several times. The short time he's with him, that he saved, he saved Ozzy Osbourne. I said, you know, would he have had the kind of success? Uh, without Randy Rhodes as a guitar player, we, you know that remains to be seen. But you know, Ozzy said just hearing him, hearing him play that first time was like, oh wow, this is the sound I need right here. And it got him, it made him want to go go work again. It made him want to put this album together. Oh, yeah. But uh, yeah, jeez, what a great album there, Ozzy Osbourne Blizzard. Oh, yeah. No doubt. Yeah. All right, what you got at number five? Number five, I think, is our first one that we've got the same one, uh, and that's going to be Amplitude for Destruction by Guns N' Roses. And, you know, we talked about it a little bit earlier, just, you know, just the of the album. It was at a time where, you know, your Motley Crue's and your Poison's and your Wallace's, you know, everybody had and everything. And, again, I'm, I'm unapologetic. I, I like the hairband. You know, oh, yeah. Them. I'm not, uh, not going to apologize yeah, for it either. <laughs> absolutely. But, you know, another... another artist where absolutely you know whether you like his shenanigans or, or you don't great voice uh, great lyricist and then I mean what can you say about Slash's guitar I mean it, uh, he's a guy like Clapton to me or Hendrix that you just listen to it. you know who's playing um, and that speaks a lot about you know the tone that they use and just the, the heart they put in their in their music but you know it's still today the highest selling you I mean you're talking over 10 million happy selling of a debut album. I mean, that's, that's yeah. insane to me. Um, and it kind of, again, brought a relevancy back to, you know, there were a lot of naysayers out there. Some of the old metalheads were down on the, the hair metal guys, and, you know, for right or wrong reasons, but you don't hear anybody say that Guns N' Roses wasn't legit. I mean, these guys just musicians to the core, wrote their own stuff. They didn't hire outside writers. Uh, and, you know, just, just a fantastic album. Yeah, and, I don't know if you if you ever really listened to the the intro to Sweet Child of Mine was if you hear Slash's guitar he actually when he's talking about writing the music for it that if you listen to it real close it's a circus it's a circus uh, song yeah yeah and that's how, it as a joke. yeah he was playing it as a joke and then you know everybody just I think Izzy started playing around it. And then it it turns into this great classic, Sweet Child of Mine. I mean, you know, come on. Yeah. But you know, yeah, you look at that, that's great. You, as great as as great as Appetite was, and then you had the the Usual Illusion one and two. I remember there was so much hype for that. Then, like I said, back when we had oh, record yeah. stores, uh, people were going to the record stores as soon as they opened. Waiting in line. Yeah, waiting in line for Usual Illusion one and two. Not. Not many bands, you know, most bands will put out one at a time, but they've actually put out Usual Illusion 1 and 2 as separate 
separate albums on the same day, and then had that monstrous usual illusion tour. And and at the time, you know, there were some bad choices uh, by Axel, which he is unapologetic for about about what he what he did on stage and and walking out of some uh, walking out of some concerts. But you know, I think that's what made him when he was on. He was on. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I mean, Guns N' Roses. You you know you'll never you're never gonna get them apology you know starting some riots and stuff like that they'll never apologize for anything like that then you know you look at a band that that came after Guns N' Roses when when Slash and Duff McKagan leave and uh, also Matt Sorum who was the drummer on Usual Illusion one and two they go to mm-hmm. f- form a band like Velvet Revolver with uh, Stone Temple Pilots vocalist Scott Weiland. And uh, do a great job there. Uh, and then Slash of Snake Pit. They had they had some great yeah. albums too. But you know nothing nothing can beat the original Guns N' Roses to me as far as I mean they had a chemistry that you don't see that often. Yeah, and yeah. I'm glad that most of them are back together. And I hope we get a new album. Yeah, hopefully we'll see some new music. And hopefully you know I, I would think the fans want it. And I mean if they if they got back together and. And and did the reunion tour. I think there there might be some new music as well. Ah, uh, let's see. My number five, and you know we're gonna stick. You know, me and Steve are saying it over and over again. Most of our list is gonna be uh, the hair bands. Uh, to me, at least mine. And I'm not gonna apologize for it because that was. I mean, so many great memories from from the songs for those hair bands for me. Mine That's is childhood, man. is Def Leppard's Hysteria. Uh, that was great. Pyromania. I remember getting into Def Leppard when my cousin had the Pyromania album and played it, and you know, you you just you love that with uh, with so many great songs on on that. But then you had to wait for a while. I mean, these guys went through so much went in that span between Pyromania and Hysteria. Uh, it took them so long. You, of course, you how do you how do you do this when your drummer Gets in a car wreck and and loses his arm. Uh, yeah, you know, and and then you go on to have this. I know yeah, and you go on to have this great album. Uh, and it, and it was a long album, sixty-two and a half minutes. But uh, going from like nineteen eighty-four to nineteen eighty-seven when they when they started recording and finally comes out uh, has a not such a warm. Warm welcome. It doesn't sell as great when the first single comes out. I think the first single is Women, but man, it takes off. And look at this this lineup of songs here: Women, Rocket, Animals, Love Bites, Pour Some Sugar on Me, Armageddon, It, God's War, Don't Shoot Shotgun, Run Right, Hysteria, Excitable, and Love and Affection. Now half of that is is a Greatest Hits album right there. Uh, yeah, it sounds like a Greatest Hits. Yeah. yeah, and I mean this this album was. You know, I remember buying the cassette and and just listening to it. And I'm like, this is this is awesome right here. And you know, I wasn't I was a Def Leppard fan, but this turned me even into a bigger Def Leppard fan. Then they go on that great tour in the round, uh, but they were really this was probably the best time for Def Leppard right here when they were in their prime. You know, the next album was Adrenalized. That that was okay, but this was like the last album to feature. Uh, lead guitarist Steve Clark, who died, uh, tragically died, drinking took him. But, yep. you know, 
Love Bites is one of my favorite songs ever. Uh, Pour Some Sugar on Me, of course. That's that's a standard at any kind of, uh, I, I, I won't say, I'll say Gentleman's Club. I'm sure that was uh, that's played a lot at a Gentleman's Club. Pour Some yeah. Sugar on Me. And, you know, it, it, with people our age, that, that's going to always come up as, uh, as a song that people play when we when we have any kind of get togethers too, but it you know, Hysteria was such a great album though. Absolutely. And and you, know, you took the words right out of my mouth. It sounds like the greatest hits album and um I'm sure you're a fan of this show. Um I don't think it comes on anymore, but about a couple of weeks ago I was re watching the uh VH one behind the music on Death Row. Oh, yes. Yeah. And it, and I always loved the point where, you know, right after Rick Allen had that tragic accident where he lost his own the first concert they had the first tour I mean yeah um, they had another drummer to come on and you know because they didn't know what they were going to have but this guy's playing was late and so he snuck on stage in the middle of the set and started playing right along with Rick Allen and, and then at the end of the gig he said well guys you don't need me anymore I'm out of here this guy's got it and you know to, to be able to use the left side of the brain or you know the right side whatever he was using to, to teach your you know your left foot to, to play the the beats that your right arm or that your left arm would play and you know he was just as good a drummer with the one arm as he was without you know, with both arms so uh, you know that's a side note but great great album i'm surprised that i didn't think about that one but yeah yeah that one passed me on that one that's fantastic yeah you know and and one of the things about that behind the music too when when he played that night uh the reaction the crowd gave him when uh when uh they they recognized him for being, you know, his first first show back, and and to hear, I don't know if you've ever heard or not, to hear the crowd's reaction to him, and, and to hear the, the members of Def Leppard talk about it, uh, yeah, it it was a special night, and you know they knew then that they had it, you know, he was going to be fine. Joe Elliott kind of got uh kind of got a little emotional talking about it on that behind the music boy, and that's another thing. Not trying to get off the subject of this album, but behind the music, why do they not make any behind the music anymore? I don't know, but I watch them with bands that I'm not even fans of just because it's I, such great content. Yeah, and learn so much about them. I will tell you this: I was not the biggest Leonard Skinner fan, but I watched that behind the music, and I was just like, "Wow!" And then You're I started, on yeah, yeah, and I mean that's 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 the thing that. That is missing these documentaries and stuff that they put out like that. That'll make people become a fan of the band too. Like like you said, I didn't. I hardly ever missed the behind the music. And and another, yeah, it uh, makes these superstars real people. Yeah, you know, to you, it makes them real people, just like you. Real problems. And I'll tell you another show that they had on. I don't know if you watched. I'm, I think you probably did. That VH1 had was that metal show with Eddie Trunk. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yep. that was another great show. I never missed that. Yeah, and and that and they took that off either. It's almost like they're trying to kill any kind of music on on that uh on that channel. But that's Absolutely. An, that's another story for another day. There. All right, we're gonna go okay. to you, see what your number four is. All right. Well, did you do your number five, Stephen? Yeah, hysteria. You did. Yeah, that's right. Sorry, I'm. That's I'm all right. That's all right. <laughs> So number four for me, um, you know, in my opinion, again, my opinion, the greatest guitar player that's ever opened his eyes, Jimi Hendrix, is all you experience with Jimi Hendrix. Right. Um, you know, Purple Haze, I mean, you know, and I'm not just saying that as an ACU fan. That's but, right, that's so right. That intro, 
that intro, I mean, that you don't even have to know the song. You know that intro, uh, Foxy Lady. Um, you know, and it, you can talk about Jimi Hendrix all day long and how innovative he was on the guitar when Eric Clapton, you know, is speechless when you play. That's, that's saying something. But, you know, you look at Mitch Mitchell's drumming. I mean, you talk about a guy who, again, we talked about Jimmy Dunham you know, wasn't just back there keeping time and making sure that the band was, you know, on point. I mean, this guy had innovative drum solos, and, you know, he did things, you know, back there with the beat that you just, you just don't hear. It was a super group. And, you know, unfortunately, Jimi Hendrix, another tragic, you know, death in, yeah. in the music industry. 27 years old, is gone, and um, but just listening to that, you know, of some of the psychedelics that had that hard rock, um, that had great lyrics, um, you know, and you know, what can you say about Jimi Hendrix? If, you, if you're not a fan of Jimi Hendrix, I, you know, he may not be your number one choice, but if you're not a fan of Hendrix, to me, you're not a fan of the electric guitar, but you know, again, that's another discussion for another that's day. Right. All your experience is number four for me. Yeah, I, I mean, that's another one that, that got taken from us way too soon. You know, Randy Rose, John Bonham, uh, Jimi Hendrix in that list, too. There's so many that's been taken away too early. But, uh, yeah, Hendrix, and, and like like I always say when I talk about what I like in music, I like when I hear that sound and I know, okay, that's them. You know, that's them. Right. I don't like it to be like a copycat like anybody else. But Hendrix, yeah, but Hendrix had his own sound and definitely, definitely Purple Haze, uh, Voodoo Child, uh, you know, let's see, you know, Foxy Lady, like you said. Uh, just Hendrix, and like I said, if you're not a fan, fan of Hendrix, you're not a fan of of the guitar, electric guitar at least. No doubt, he could do so many great things with it, and and just taken away way too soon from us. But uh, and people are, still can't do some of the things he's doing. No, no, yeah, and uh, I mean people, tr- and there's been a lot of people that tried, and they can't match match a lot of what Hendrix did. Absolutely. So my number four, and this will be no shock to a lot of people that know me. Uh, this this album, I can remember going to my cousin's house and just seeing the cover of this album, and I was like, wow. And I mean, I was probably like five, six years old, and it was just, and I, I fell in love with the look, but then when I heard it, I was hooked, and I've been hooked, and I've been a diehard fan for 40, 41 years now, and I'm talking about Kiss Destroyer. Uh... You you know, from the start of it, uh, Detroit Rock City, it was so different. You know, you had Detroit Rock City, then you had God of Thunder, uh, Beth, which was a big, big uh, difference in in anything Kiss had ever done then. But uh, from start to finish, you know, Bob Ezrin did a great job getting this this album, uh, you know, produced. And it, it was it was a lot of pressure on Kiss because they're coming off the Kiss Alive album that sold so great. Okay, now we've got we've set the bar. Now we've got to raise it again. And uh, it's no no. Uh, it's just a great album. I mean, from from start to finish. I know a lot of people aren't Kiss fans out there, but you know, Detroit Rock City. People know that song. Everybody knows best. Oh yeah, awesome. Yeah, shout it out loud. Do you love me? Uh, King of the Nighttime World, there are a lot, these are staples on any KISS concert today. And his reunion tour, uh, yeah, all of these songs were played in the reunion tour, and it's no doubt that 
Uh, Destroyer is one of their best albums ever, and 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 kind of, I won't say it put them on the map because I think Alive put them on the map, but it it solidified that they were they were going to be around for a while. Now, Stevie, was that their last album with Peter Chris? I didn't know as much about Kiss. I'm sure as you can. No, they actually this was uh, let's see, they went through Destroyer, Rock and Roll Over, uh, Love Gun. And then he was around a little on Dynasty, but they had a guy come in and did a lot of the guitar. He sang a lot of he sang a couple of songs on Dynasty, but I, a guy that you probably know who I'm talking about, he played in the David Ledman band for a long time. Anton Fig was the uh, yeah he played he played most of the drums on Dynasty, so he was Pierce was pretty much out of the picture after that. Uh, but yeah. That was, this was really, well, and and with the success of Beth, that kind of made Peter Chris think he could go out on his own, and he wanted he wanted more that. he wanted more songs, and they they started giving him more songs than they had, but he decided he wanted to go out on his own, and and it just didn't work after that. Uh, you know, he didn't have very much success as a solo artist. Of course, Ace right. Ace stuck around till uh, till Creatures of the Night. Well, about eighty one or so, right? Eighty eighty two was when Ace left, and he formed his own band after that. He had some success as a solo artist or as, with his band Freely's Comet, but you know that. Yep. And to me, and no offense to to the current lineup, no offense to any of the other lineups, because I'm a big fan of the lineup that came after. Peter left. Eric Carr is probably Eric Carr was great. Eric Carr is probably my second. Ace is my first, my favorite member of the band. By I mean, not by far. Eric Carr is right there at second with him, because uh, Eric Carr brought back rock and roll to Kiss. I mean, anybody that listens to that Creatures of the Night album after they had done something like The Elder, uh, but to hear that, to hear those drums punch like it did on Creatures of the Night album and. You know, the guy was just great. That's another one that was taken away way too soon from us. Uh, no but doubt. Air Car, yeah, it, you know, but Destroyer pretty much solidified Kiss as being around for a while, and 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 that was when they were in their prime and just to start the start of a great period of time for Kiss there, because you know that started the whole popularity of the Gallup poll. They were the they were the best artists in the Gallup poll back then in '77. Uh, they had Kiss merchandise everywhere, the comic books, the pinball machines. Yeah, just, and then they did the made for TV, NBC movie, the cult favorite. It's gotta be a cult favorite because the acting was horrible. It's so bad, you love it. <laughs> Kiss meets the Phantom of the Park. You know, if you haven't seen that, go check it out. You're probably, if you, you're either gonna love it or you're gonna hate it. But, uh, yeah, I, I could, I could watch that over and over again. But that's my number four, and let's get to your number three. Number three for me, Steve, and, and I'm definitely in a minority in the world of, of music with us, and, and you can see that I am not the biggest Beatles fan in the world. I can certainly appreciate their music, but, you know, just it, it, it just doesn't. But I can appreciate number three for me, which is Sgt. Pepper's. Right. And you talk about an album of, of like, just represented a counterculture. We were in a time where we were in the middle of the Vietnam War, and you had a lot of these singer-songwriters who were you know, just against, you know, the whole purpose of the war, and they were starting to write about it and sing about it, and, you know, 
you know, you got Paul and John, I mean, two of the greatest songwriters ever, and oh, then you yeah. put them together, and I think this album just reflected their full capabilities as writers. Um, it was actually the first album to win the album of the year at the Grammys in, in a, you know, as a rock album, um, which I think just came in 67, which, you know, most people say, well, you know, that, that was a long time ago, but, you know, rock and roll had been around since the 50s, so, and it was more of a, people still thought it was a fad, and it was for, you know, the young kids, and it wasn't going to last, but um, a concept album, if there ever was one, and, you know, yeah. had nothing to do with the music, but one of the greatest uh, album covers I've ever seen as far as artwork. I mean, you've got people from all over the walks of life up there, and, um, you know, again, not the biggest Beatles fan in the world, and I know I'm in the minority of that, but um, I can certainly appreciate the music, and, and this album kind of brought them out of the, the doo-wop scene, and brought them more to, I guess, the forefront of, of a, what I consider true rock and roll music. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm not the biggest, me and you both are in the minority, I'm not the biggest Beatles fan, but I can sure appreciate some of their songs. Uh, you know, the Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Heart Club's band, then the Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, uh, When I'm 64. Uh, but, you know, that al- you know that album, like you said, the cover of that album, just looking at it, you, you know, catches your eye. And then the same way, I'll tell anybody, with Kiss, that's what drew me in was the look. And then I stuck around for the music. I stuck around for the last 41 years for the music. But with the Beatles, this was a definite change. And what they had done, you know, the I want to hold your hands and uh, stuff like that. Right. This was a definite change. Me, yeah. yeah, this was a definite change for them. And uh, it worked out well because, like you said, McCartney and Lennon, probably the two, probably the best songwriting duo in the history of rock. Uh, and I mean, I couldn't imagine anybody better. And there's another one that was taken away too soon, too. John Lennon. You know, he had just yeah. coming off, what was the name of the album? Instant Car? Was it? What was the name of the album? Oh, gosh. I can't uh, It was his first solo one. Yes, and I'm going to have to look this up right now. But just coming off great success with that. And because uh, I was totally, totally a fan of that album. Oh, gosh. What is that? When you talk about a, a senseless film, there's one of the Yeah, I mean, and I can remember waking up the next morning to go to school and hearing, uh, you know, on the news that he had been shot and killed. And, and, you know, like you said, it's just a just a senseless, senseless act. And a guy that didn't have all his marbles there. And uh, I'm looking yeah. to see what the name of this. Double Fantasy. That was the name of it. Okay. Double Fantasy. And he had had so many great hits from that. And, I, you know, I, I can remember... And a lot of you kids my age, a lot of you guys back my age, and Steve probably remembers too, sitting in front of your, they called jam boxes in, or your little stereo, portable stereos, with your cassette tapes in. And if you didn't do this and you're my age back then, I don't know what you were doing. But Casey Kasem's American Top 40, if you want to listen to that oh, on the yeah. weekend and, uh, and, and waiting for your favorite song to come on. And I remember hearing... A lot of that from Double Fantasy on on Casey Kasem's. Uh, actually, I don't know if you noticed or not, but there is a local radio station that Saturday mornings and Sunday nights streams a a classic Casey Kasem top forty every every weekend. Uh, 
Nice. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, I listen to it uh, pretty often just to, just to get a little flashback. I think yesterday was like November of 87 when they did that. And, and you know, that was just a great, great memory from back then to listen to Casey Case. Back when you had radio stations that weren't these cookie-cutter radio stations that played the same song over and over again. When you could call and request a song back then, and uh, most, most of the time it would get played. But, yeah, it's... Beatles, Beatles are your number three. So my number three, my number three is another one we agreed on. Uh, you had it, you know, you had it earlier in your list. Was Eagles Hotel California? We talked about that uh, earlier, but you know, just a great album, start to finish. Uh, the Eagles, you, you know, what can you say about it? I, I think we we pretty much talked about that pretty good on that one. Uh, just just so many great songs. Uh, the the opening riff of Hotel California is one you always, if you don't know what that song Iconic. is by that, something is wrong with you. You don't listen to much music, but my number three was the Eagles Co- Hotel California. Now, who you got at number two? Number two um, is, is my favorite band of all time, Fleetwood Mac. Um, oh, know, yeah. I, as, a, as a young kid, my dad, uh, former disc jockey before he passed away, kind of introduced me to music, and that was his favorite group, and um, the, the album that I chose is Rumors, which is, you know, yeah, it's one of the best selling. I think it's still top five all-time selling albums. Um, you know, the Twisted Mac had been, I don't want to say coming, but they had been around the, the British music scene as a blues band for for decades. And, and um, this was their second album with their most iconic lineup, which featured Lindsey Buckingham and, you know, my favorite, my queen, Stevie Nicks, who I think is a fantastic songwriter and singer. Yeah. But, Again, it's got the, some of the easy listening, um, you know, songs of theirs. It's got some of the, the rock songs. And, um, gosh, Lindsey Buckingham is another underrated guitar player. I mean, you talk about a guy who doesn't even use a pick. He plays with his fingers. And you hear some of the songs like Go Your Own Way. Forget about it for a second the, the, the writing of the lyrics, but just the guitar playing, the, the, the bass in it is so underrated. And, um, just a, one of those albums we talked earlier about albums you can listen front to back. I mean, it's like a greatest hits album. I mean, I, it's the, when I started collecting records again about four or five years ago, um, I knew that was the first one I was going to buy, and I'm already won a new copy of it out. I have to buy another one, but um, <laughs> you know, I think it's got like 35 million albums sold. Oh yeah. Um, it, it's just it's to me it, it's my favorite. It may not be you know somebody else's top uh, on the list, but. What a great songwriting album! What a great listening album! It's one you can listen to with your with your wife, your kids, your parents. Uh, it's just it's just you know it it should have been number one for me, but uh, it's my favorite, so I got it in at number two. I think I I'm thinking you and me might agree on number one, but I I may be wrong. Oh, I think so. I don't know. That's a, that this now as of 2013, rumors have sold over 40 million copies. Received a Diamond Award from the RIAA, so 20 times platinum or 20 million copies shipped. Uh, the fifth best-selling album in U.S. history. So, yeah, that was you know, and that's another group. That's another group that the older I got, the more I appreciated. And I think you know when they got back together and did the dance. Uh, oh, yeah, that, that was that was great, and that that got me into Fleetwood Mac. Uh, but to see, and I'll tell you, uh, I'll tell you one of the biggest things. What was the name of that song that they sang at uh, on the dance? Gosh, 
Silver Springs. Silver Springs. Yeah, and, when and that's you say, Go ahead. When you see Buckingham or or Stevie Nicks singing that song and uh, Lindsey Buckingham sitting right there, and I mean, you know, it's pretty much biographical, I guess, with their relationship. Uh, and see her t- singing it and looking at him, it, it was I was like, wow. And you know, that was a great song there, Silver Springs. Uh, but it had so many songs from the Rumors album up there too. And like you said, the right. Rumors, the Rumors album, like we talked about, Def Leppard could be a greatest hits album. But no doubt. And you know, mentioned Silver Springs. That was the first time they'd ever played that song. It was originally on the B side of another. I can't remember what what single it was a B side on. It was it was one that Mick Fleetwood did not want to include on the album. He just did, didn't take the song for whatever reason. And, um, it made, when it, when the dance came out, I believe it was 97, yeah. um, it made the top 10 on the Billboard chart oh, yeah. as a re-release song from 30 years before, 20 years, I guess, at that point. So, yeah, that, if you haven't seen the dance, it's worth checking out. Yeah, oh, definitely, definitely. That's that, And that, and if you're not a Fleetwood Mac fan and, and you're thinking... You will uh, be. You will be after that, definitely. Yeah, that's my, took the words right out of my mouth. You will be after wa- after watching the dance or listening to the dance. So, number two, and I'm going back to, to my favorite group of all time. We, I talked a little bit about this. Uh, number two for me was Kiss Alive, the first Alive album. And this was the, the album that put them on the map. Uh, you know, the first three album, studio albums hadn't sold well. Uh, and, and they felt like it was just missing... You know, people were going. People were going to the live shows, to the concerts, but people were just not buying the albums because the albums couldn't capture that that spirit or what the live show was. And then when the live album came out, because back then a double live album was unheard of. People had tried it, oh yeah, and and it didn't work. This was before Frampton Comes Alive. Uh, you know, Frampton Comes Alive, another great live album that I I had back in the day too. But this album was perfect and you know there's a lot of talk about there was overdubs on it and yes there was some overdubs on it but this it doesn't doesn't tamper with what it's all about because uh, you get that you get the feeling like you're there at that concert i can remember listening to this over and over again when i was a kid and having my own kiss concert to the to the point where and i could kick myself for doing this i had one of those old it well it wasn't old at the time a white plastic Kiss guitar. We had their picture on it and all that. And I decided I wanted to be Ace Freely one day. So I got the bright idea to put a smoke bomb in the guitar. And you know what happens when you know what happens when heat mixes with plastic, don't you? It becomes I do. crap. It melts and becomes crap. And I could kick myself for doing that. But, you know, uh, you know the, the Rock and Roll All Night live version here just made Kiss what they were. It put them in a position to, to be able to sell out this album. Uh, and and it also got people buying the, the, the three albums before and uh, just put Kiss on the map and, and what just a great album. I, I, I could yeah. listen to it over and over again. Well, you know, Kiss is one of those groups that is, is, is very similar to one of my favorite groups, Motley Crue, where you know, great music, but it's an event when you go to a show. You're not yeah. going there just to listen to some music and go home. You're going for the theatrics. It's, it's a whole show, and, and you know, they're one of the best that's ever done it. And, I mean, 
the kids on it. What can you say? They don't, you know, they don't have that that many uh, fans just because they like to, to paint their faces. Yeah. I mean, there's some stuff that's going on with their doing so. And that's yeah, what I, I say, you know, I would say this. Anybody that says they didn't get in, they got into KISS just because the music is telling you a lie. Uh, they got oh, yeah. into it for the look, and then the music kept them around. And like you said, they, right. they don't they don't sell out, especially they're going on this uh, this end-of-the-road tour, which they just announced. They just announced the last date, and I figured it was going to be in New York, and it, it's going to be in New York. But, you know, you don't sell out all these shows just cause you paint your face and you, you put on a show and you, you light off pyro and all this stuff. You, you, you sell right. them out because you, you put out great music over the years and, and that's what kids, and just like with Motley Crue, uh, you know, like you said, Motley Crue did the same thing. They had a show. That was what it was all about back then was putting on a show and having great music with it too. It just wasn't four okay. guys sitting up there strumming a guitar and, and dressed like they come off the street. Uh, this was a show. You got your money's worth out of this when you went to see a KISS concert. No doubt. Alright, let's get to number one. And I'm let me see. I, I'm thinking I thinking We probably have the same number one. I think we do. I think we do. If if I'm thinking right and it's gonna surprise it's totally different than what we've talked about this whole time. I mean, then what our rest of our list have, have come up to if I'm thinking right. Let's I'll hear I'll let you take number one though. Well, number one for me, Stevie, and, and again, everybody's got their own list, but I would I would venture to say that this is probably on meaningful to some of the people's top ten somewhere, um, and that's still about Michael Jackson. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I'll just, I'll just rattle off some numbers here. 66 million copies sold. You're never going to see that ever again. I don't care who, what artist, how many digital downloads, you're just not going to see that. You talk about platinum albums, which is everybody, you know, hey, I want a platinum album. This album went platinum in eight different countries. <laughs> a million copies or more in eight different countries. Uh, seven top ten singles. Um, it, it's it's an album that you know my mom bought. I bought it. it your parents bought it. Your your brother bought it. Your sister bought it. Little kids had it. Um, and MTV. I mean, you talk about thriller. Probably yeah. my number one video of all time. I mean, it was it's like a little mini movie. It's a movie, uh, yeah. almost. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that I think, I don't know that it goes unrecognized, but people don't talk about it as much when they talk about thriller is you're talking about an African-American community who was never on MTV. They were, you know, they had great music, but they were never, you know, selling the number one albums. Yeah, you're talking Michael Jackson brought that that group to, to MTV. Yeah. In the White House. You never saw as great as a Chuck Berry or a Little Richard or they were fantastic. Those guys weren't going to the White House. And so Michael Jackson introduced a different culture to to rock music. And, you know, when you get a guy like Paul McCartney, who yeah. is in, what, 1981 at the top of his game, who do a duet with you on, on your album. And Michael Jackson took a leap with this album because, um, and I wasn't a fan of this album, but his first one, off, or the one before this, off the oh, one, wow, yeah. was a disco album. It was disco. And, you know, disco was dying. It was, it was, it was a dying art. And so he jumped right into and talked about the king of pop. I mean, there, there's no other like him. And, and what a performer. I mean, this man, before he died in his, you know, he was in his 50s, could dance better than half the 20 year olds I've ever seen. Just an amazing artist from Texas. Um, 
I think this album is, is going to be on most people's top ten. They might be number one, but um, it, it should assure anybody that, it, that it's you know it's on on my list. I wouldn't think. Yeah, and I totally agree, and that's why I knew we would probably have both of them, both of us had it number one. Uh, you know, and you talk about a greatest hits album. This album, you take away take away maybe two songs, and the rest of these songs are are great songs. And I mean, nothing against you know, "Baby Be Mine" and "The Lady of My Life" were not uh, up to the same caliber as the rest of these songs. But uh, you, right, know, right. you want to be starting something, and then, like you said, the the duet with Paul McCartney, "The Girl Is Mine." Uh, thriller, like we said, was just a mini movie on MTV, and just uh, I mean, great song. Beat it, which had guitar solo by Eddie Van Halen and Steve Lukather from the group Toto. Uh, it just Billy Jean. I mean, these songs are songs. You know, three of these songs get played just right at every every event. You know, if you go to a dance with people, I age, three of these songs get played. Billy Jean, Beat It, and Thriller can get played, no doubt. And but, if you have a Halloween party or go to a Halloween yeah, party, Thriller. If Thriller doesn't get played, you're not having a Halloween party. You're um, not having a party, absolutely. And, you know, he was on fire back then. I mean, he could do no wrong uh, in eighty in 84 when he – how many Grammys did this thing win? I mean – Oh, man. He, I can remember – I remember him coming because, you know, he, he always had that – I think he uh, he had that uh, that outfit. I can't remember exactly how to describe it, but I re- if, when I see it, I know it. But, but just holding an armful of Grammys that night, uh, you know. Yeah. And then you had on Thriller, you had Vincent Price at doing the 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 spoken word up there. I mean, gave me to death when I was little. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, you you and the, and the album cover when you see that, you know. He he was just the man back then, and then you get to the when they had the whole I don't know if you remember this when they had the the Jacksons got back together and did the whole victory tour, uh, did an album there. Michael Jackson. Oh yeah. You know, and it. I'm sorry to the rest of the guys, but the only reason that victory tour was so great was because he was on it, and and absolutely. And I asked a question a, a while back. It was a couple weeks ago. Uh, I don't know. I know you remember the song Rockwell. Somebody's watching me. Would that Dave, song? Dave, would that song have made the top forty if Michael Jackson is not singing in it? I mean, most people don't know the words to it except that. that I always feel like somebody's watching me. <laughs> yeah, and that was yeah. a that was just a a a favor he did for Rockwell because uh, Motown Big Shot Barry Gordy. That was Barry Gordy's son. I mean, yeah, you know, it, it and, made and a, it, it, that, yeah, and, and it made a great hit. I was on that probably wouldn't wouldn't have made the top forty. Probably wouldn't have heard of if it if it wasn't then. Uh, no, no doubt. Thriller at its peak sold one million copies worldwide a week. Can you imagine selling that's a, that's a million copies of an album a week? I mean, I mean, a million in its lifetime is, is an achievement. Yeah. So I mean, but and that's another one, another one taken too soon. I know people, and, and myself included, didn't like the direction he went. Uh, eventually, after this album, you know, of course, he had some great albums after this, but there were some some choices he made that I didn't agree with, and uh, it got kind of strange right. at near the end, but. 
you know, the man was a great entertainer, great singer, and, and thriller to me. You know, I remember saving saving my money, saving my money for for a couple of weeks, doing this and that and the other, and getting my parents to take me to to the record store so I could buy that and just playing it over and over yeah. again. It was just so great. But yeah, we both. And you're talking about all these albums sold with no internet. I mean, you know, yeah, yeah. people our age can remember that, but. It, you didn't go on your phone and buy this out. I mean, you had to physically go to the store, which, you know, is not a big deal, but you talk about 66 million people at the store and bought this album. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, and, you know, here's another thing. We, we, we've, we've talked a lot about me and Steve are old school. Here's another thing I miss about going to buy an album or going to buy a CD or a cassette. I miss the liner notes. I miss being able to read oh, yeah. the liner notes. We'd had the lyrics in there sometimes, but you know, if you were lucky, yeah, the lyrics were in there. Right. Yeah, you had the lyrics in there sometimes, but then you'd have, you know, who played on what. You always got to find out different stuff about the uh, what was in there, and there were some hidden messages in there sometimes with the band. I said, but uh, that's our top ten list, guys. Uh, some of the some of the song, some of the ones that I kind of uh, were on the verge for me. Uh, Prince, Purple Rain, that was one that, that oh, yeah. was, you, know, you know, you had ACDC, Back in Black, that was that was another one that was close for me. Uh, Metallica, the Black Album, uh, Run DMC, Raising Hell, Beastie Boys, yeah. License the Eel, uh, let's see, who else I got up here that was some I was, yeah. I think that was pretty much in Queen, A Night at the Opera. You know, that's another one that I've that I've over over time come to appreciate a band even more. Of course, Queen after the Bohemian and Rhapsody movie last year is just uh, their popularity probably at an all time high. And another one that was that I was kind of teetering with, and I don't know, and I I don't know how much you listen to this band, but this is the first not the first concept album that i li really listened to but one of the first ones that i really really got hooked on uh was a band called Queensryche. uh operation oh, yeah. operation mind crime yeah. oh man i was a big big fan of queens back then and then of course they went on to do another great album and had that great hit silent lucidity wow, which was just a great and they they just couldn't couldn't put it all together after that, and they're still playing, but they're two separate groups now. But Steve, yeah. Steve, I want to thank you for coming on tonight, man. We're going to do this. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah, if you if you're willing to do it, we'll come back and we'll do a lot more. We'll talk about the MTV thing. We'll talk about. We'll come up with some great ideas and do and do a do do some shows like this if you're willing to do it. Anytime, you just let me know. All right, guys, that's Steve Hill, and guys, if you have your own top ten list. Put it on here. I know you probably won't agree. If you don't agree with what we say, let us know. If you do agree, let us know as well. But by all means, post your top ten list up here or post some albums that we left out. I know there's a lot that we probably left out because just like me and Steve were talking about, the Beatles, we were not big fans of the Beatles, which we had one on our list. But, you know, there's a lot of, there's there's so many up there that we could have put up here, and uh, but we just had to narrow it down to ten. But, guys, that's going to do it for tonight. Steve, thank you so much, buddy. And we'll definitely have you back you. on sometime soon. All right, guys, that's it for On the Fly tonight. Y'all, You guys have a great night.